Welcome, this is Beyond the Hate, I'm Steven. I'm John. And today, we are talking about some crazy shit. <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> uh, it's, he said that he put Bram Stoker's in the front of it um, because he likes to do that, uh, like with The Godfather, which... I don't know. He only did that with the first one. The other two didn't have the writer's name in front of it. Yeah. Um, but uh, pretty much what it was agreed upon was that's not why it's Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's Bram Stoker's Dracula because Universal owns the right to call a movie Dracula. No one else does. Yeah. But if it's well, that's Bram Stoker's can- Dracula, that's its own thing. Yeah, okay. Like, uh, what was it, Dracula Untold? Yeah. Like, Dracula Untold. Is that, was that, that was the Warner Brothers. It was probably somebody else. But at the time, Universal was really, really particular about Dracula movies. Or Universal, that's what I mean. Dracula yeah. Untold's Universal. Yeah, right? Universal owns it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, Universal owns it. So. That's interesting because back in the day, you used to have the old Christopher Lee Hammer Horror movies. Mm-hmm, that was Where all was- uh, Universal. That was Universal. That was oh, all okay. uni- the Crystal and Furley movies were all Universal. So the same with the Mummy and Universal all those. Universal and Hammer Horror. They were like working together. Yeah. So like our our Universal bought it from from Hammer. Them. Oh, okay. uh, either either way, but they all consider those movies to be Universal movies now. Okay. So, well, that's uh, yeah. I didn't know that. Because I didn't know. Yeah, the Christopher Lee movies. Like, if you go and buy them now to watch them. Uh-huh. The Universal logos on them. Oh, okay. Same with the Wolfman and the Mummy and the Invisible Man and Frankenstein, uh, Mrs. Frankenstein and Frankenstein, and Bride and, of Frankenstein. Yeah. And, yeah, okay. That's uh, that's interesting because yeah, remember they were trying to do that whole like dark universe where it was like the Mummy and Dracula Untold was part of that, and they were going to kind of do that, and then the Mummy mm-hmm. kind of flopped. Sort of big time, and then they were like, "Ah, maybe not. Maybe there isn't enough people into this as we thought there was." Are they, are they not still doing that? I I don't know. I mean, they might, but from what I heard, that because the mummy didn't do so hot, that they were they were going to probably shut that idea down. Yeah, I'd keep going with it if I was them. I mean, they got the money to take some chances. I mean, one of the people that was coming down the pipe was Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man. I mean, you at least got to let it get to that. Then and Russell Crowe was, then Russell Crowe was um, uh, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, and he was in the Mummy movie with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> well, maybe they will keep going. I mean, I mean, they should. I'm just saying, like sometimes when you have a couple failures, the best thing to do is just keep going. Um, not in DC's case. <laughs> but what are we drinking today, John? Uh, we are uh, drinking today one of our uh, favorite brands. This is the uh, Kentucky Company, uh, and this is the uh, Pumpkin Barrel Ale. So this is because it's a um, 
it's a bourbon barrel ale like they usually make, but this one actually has pumpkin spice in it because currently everything has to be pumpkin spice now. But it's October. <laughs> it is October. October is pumpkin month. This is pumpkin month. Yeah. Uh, what is the alcohol percentage? Did you see what it was? Oh, it's ten percent. Damn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Drink. Drink. Uh. Drink about twenty of these. Then yeah. Go have your stomach pumped. Right. Yeah. Uh, we'll give but this it's a. Three. Uh, yeah, four out of three stars. <laughs> uh, it's really fucking good. If I could give it a four, I would. Yeah, three out of three stars. It's a really good beer. Uh, it's go good. try it. It's Halloween. Fuck yeah. that eggnog shit. Drink Kentucky Pumpkin Barrel L. Yeah. It's uh, I was just I was just in the store getting some groceries, and I was like, uh, stop by. Usually, I'll stop by the beer to see if there's any you know craft beers that'd be interesting for the show. And then I saw this, um, this was at Publix and I was like going through the cooler and I'm like, oh shit. I was like, a lot of people owe us some money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just be like, yeah, thank, uh, you can thank, uh, you know, Publix, uh, they can thank us later by, you know, cash or this money. This Publix order. ad was brought to you by Sprite and the Sprite <laughs> ad was brought to you by Kraft Cheese. <laughs> right. And then Kraft Cheese ads was brought to you by Kraft Cheese. Put that shit in your mouth. <laughs> Put that shit in your mouth. And that craft um, cheese ad was brought to you by the G Spot. Buy it, buy a dick or two. <laughs> uh, for those people who might not know, G Spot's a local sex toy store here in our town. <laughs> I, I think they probably got that when I said buy a dick or two. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's either uh, a mill prostitution uh, ring or it's, it's a, a sex sex store. toy store. Yeah, or no, it's a no, it's not a sex store because we're we're in Alabama. It's a novelty store. Yeah, it's an adult novelty store. <laughs> Because Alabama is so Puritan about sex type stuff, anyway. Yeah, so so suppressed. Strip clubs like can barely survive down here because all you can see is topless. You can't see anything else. Can't even see topless. You have to cover the nipples. Yeah, that's just stupid. It's like, what, what am I throwing dollars at? I'm just kidding. Let's let's. Move yeah. on. <laughs> oh, we'll get into some sex later because sex comes up in the comments. Um, but uh, like. This version of of Dracula is pretty interesting because it's like you explained how they had to get around the thing about like okay we can't just call it Dracula we we have mm -hmm. to call it like Bram Stoker's Dracula but I always thought it was interesting how uh, people really dislike this movie because they're like well this isn't really a very good adaptation of you know, Bram Stoker's original novel, that this is like a really fucked up version of it. And, uh, I don't know if you, if I don't know if you had anything in your notes or whatever that indicated like why they made some of the changes that they made. Did you have anything? Yeah. In short versions, cause Francis Ford Coppola fucking felt like it. He just wanted to. Yeah. There's no really real reason why they did it. He just thought it would be better. To change some of Stoker's stuff. Um, yeah. Um, there's a few examples, but mainly it's just because Coppola wanted to. Okay. Because, like, when I was going through, and I guess we can go ahead and get into the comments about that, but uh, it's... Because the script was originally written for another director, and then uh, they wanted Wynoa Ryder to be in it from the start. Right. And she took the script and gave it to Francis Ford Coppola. Was she supposed to be Mina? 
Or yeah. they, that just she just became Mina eventually. Uh, I think she was supposed to be Mina from the start. From the get go, okay. Uh, but she took it and she gave it to Francis Ford Coppola, who gave it to his brother, I think, and he rewrote it. Uh, and it was just just how it was. He wanted he went ahead and did this movie because his company was failing, and he needed money. Yep, good old American zoetrope. Yeah, and. Uh, it, it was like a $40 million budget movie, and it made like $87 million domestically. And, um, Wasn't it like 200-something box office? Yeah. I think I looked it up earlier. It was made like 215 like yeah. total worldwide. Domestic, it doubled its budget, and then worldwide, it made some more. But, you know, so it saved his company. Yeah. Well, and yes, uh, and that's uh, American Zoetrope. And here's a little bit of trivia for you. Do you know who the two people were who started American Zoetrope? Do I know who started American Zoetrope? No. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, Francis Ford Coppola and George Lucas. Hmm. See, I had some knowledge I had to drop on Steve this time. <laughs> well, there's a reason for that. I don't. I didn't care. Okay. (laughs) Well, already then. Does American Zoetrope still exist? Uh, Uh, Probably not. I don't know. I don't think so, actually. Or does does Disney own it? They probably own it. Uh, Shit, I don't know. I I didn't actually get that far. (laughs) On the... (laughs) Doesn't matter if you guys know the answer to that. Email us at Beyond the Hate at Yahoo.com. <laughs> I was thinking of whether I should give it out for that or not. Oh, right, yeah. No, just in case somebody actually does want to send us an email. And they're like, like, yes, they actually do exist. They sell used books now <laughs> in Wyoming. <laughs> yeah. It's like of all the places where, yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? It's like in Wyoming? Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, totally. I mean, Francis Ford Coppola mans the cash register himself. Yeah. Because he hasn't made shit in years. <laughs> um, uh, well, basically, what was the last movie that he made? I'm not looking it up. Coppola? Okay. I thought maybe you had looked it up or something when you were looking up stuff. I mean, I, I thought about it, but, you know, he does a bunch of artsy movies. So if I was like, hey, he did this. And you're like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that is. Never seen it. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, because he, he does movie cause you know, he's a professor. Uh, so he does like artsy movies. Yeah. So sometimes those artsy movies are very low budget and then they don't get released and they don't get watched to be honest. And it's just like, they don't sell like Blu-rays or anything, anything like that. Like you'd be able to watch it on maybe like YouTube or something, but. Or, uh, Nothing else. Uh, what is it like? Um, they have like those uh, Sundance collections. Sometimes you can find those like artsy pictures on the Sundance movies. Yeah, I mean the last real movie he made was The Rainmaker. When was that? Ninety seven. Ninety seven. Jeez. He's done stuff uh, after that, but like I said, it's like artsy stuff, like Youth Without Youth and Tetro and so- Twixt and Distant Vision, like. So it's kind of like a semi-retirement. He doesn't do big budget movies. He anymore. doesn't do anything anymore, really. Yeah, well, that's messed up. So, 
you know, and I'm pretty sure the women of Hollywood thank him for that. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, go we'll on. get we'll get into that when we get into uh, there's there's another comment and or there's some comments in here that I think you can you can elaborate on that. Okay, um, so carry so uh, basically the one of the biggest things and this popped up. Uh, uh, frequently when I was looking through the comments on IMDb, because IMDb actually had a lot of comments about this, because I guess this movie's old enough that people would have won an IMDb to bitch about it. <laughs> but, uh, because <laughs> um, uh, for newer stuff, sometimes I have to go to Rotten Tomatoes, because, you know, there's some people that just don't post IMDb for certain movies. If one thing's for certain, anywhere you're looking for bitching, you're going to find it. You can find it. Oh, for real. Yeah, you definitely can. Uh, but one of the biggest complaints that came up was that uh, Coppola ruined Bram Stoker's novel, right? Mm-hmm. So it says, uh, I was supremely disappointed by this Bram Stoker's Dracula. I have read the classic novel by Bram Stoker, and I don't think this would have gained his approval. The only things coming between the movie and the book are the names of the characters and that Count Dracula is from Transylvania. I don't know why Francis Ford Coppola felt he had to spice up a story that has stood up for generations of, of scrutiny as a classic story of good versus evil and dress it as a love story. There is a reason that the other horrible characters have been created in literature, but there are only a few that endure. Dracula is one of them and is because of the chills a reader feels when in his presence in the world Stoker created. The novel has suspense, feeling, and good and noble characters throughout. The movie has none of these qualities. If I had not read the book, I might be less disappointed with the movie. After seeing an interview with Coppola, uh, one really gets the sense that he believes that this is the way the story should have or would have been told had Stoker allowed been allowed to write openly about certain topics. That is, however, under nonsense and arrogance. Why he felt he had to deform this perfectly beautiful story about the triumph of purity over death is beyond me, and I will hate him forever for what he has done to Bram Stoker's masterpiece novel. I actually read um, Bram Stoker's Dracula too. I read it in high school. You, you yeah. probably you probably remember. Yeah, I read that. it in high school too. Yeah, yeah I think we, I, we both we had to we had to do it for English class. Yeah, we had to do it because um, we went to the same high school. So and how I understood <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula was that it was a love story. Was it not? I mean, yeah, in a way, like a it was a love story, maybe to himself, but it was right. a love story nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, it was him looking for a reason to basically be alive, and I also read. The history of Vlad the Impeller, mm-hmm. uh, which was who Dracula is based off from, and they even say some actual facts in Francis Ford Coppola's version of Dracula in this about Vlad, yeah. like um, like the uh, the battle at the first of the movie was was real, Against and he the, really was a prince. Yeah, the Muslim Turks. Yeah, yeah, he actually fought Muslim Turks, and he was actually a prince, and he was actually a you know, a uh, respected warrior. He was also actually a recluse most of the time, Yeah, uh, which is why most of those rumors started about him. Because, because he, he was, was yeah. a loner, kind of. A yeah. loner, and he had a couple wives that died in the same manner. Yeah. Uh, not in the over-embellished um, way as, you know. Throwing yourself off the castle into the river. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not like, it's not <laughs> like that. Thing. Yeah. Uh, but it was very suspicious to his, you know, his uh, subjects, I guess. But it would be kind of like 
I don't know, his mythos is kind of like an Elizabeth Bathory type mythos, where it's like she killed hundreds of people. And then you have actually people like, wait, she might have actually killed any. It might have just been a repression of women. And then, you know, you're you're kind of like, well, no, there was like bodies in the castle. Like, yeah, they, I mean, they knew either she killed them or they literally brought people in and murdered them. And be like, well, she did that. Yeah. But most likely she killed all those people or yeah. most of those people. Or she had her servants help her kill them. Or her servants killed most of those people. Or she knew about the killings. Either way you, you say it, she's responsible because she she's, was over that problem. She was a countess. She was a countess. She was over that part of the castle and she used her power for evil. And that's kind of how Vlad is in this movie. Yeah. Um, like when he meets Mina or whatever. like In the locket or in real life? In real life. Okay. Whenever he's in London. Yeah. And he's like, see me, see me or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then he plays that little character. Um, Where he's like this, uh, this foreign nobleman He's like this foreign prince. That's his first time in England. And you know, he doesn't acting all lost and helpless. Yeah. Like, like Oh, I need, I need help, you know? And you look like you're, you know, a good soul that could help me. And he's basically, he's trying to like mind seducer is what he's trying to do. It works. Yes, it does. But it, that's the thing I think that like because I remember reading about you know some stuff about Bram Stoker and when he was first coming up with the story of like when he was writing the story for Dracula like this is basically the supernova that created all the vampire like lore and mythology really yeah and and also whenever you're adapting book to movie things are going to change yeah. a director is going to want to have. His own, and you know, uh, somebody complained about this. Uh, this, by the way, this movie won three Academy Awards. So, right, this guy doesn't really have a ground to stand on. He's talking about <laughs> it's oh, not just this person. There was a ton of people that were like, "Oh, Coppola ruined the book," and Bram Stoker would be spinning in his grave and all this sort of stuff. Well, I don't think so. I don't think Bram Bram Stoker would would mind at all. The um, I mean, they kept the spirit of his book intact. I mean, you got Gary Ullman to play Dracula. You could have been much worse. You got Anthony Hopkins to play Van Helsing, still the best person to ever play Van Helsing, and Hugh Jackman played the fucking guy. Right. I that's mean, a that's a little bit of a different Van Helsing. That's like a comic book Van Helsing yeah. versus a realistic Han- versus Van, the Helsing. Van Helsing. But I still say that Anthony Hopkins was like, you know, and and one of the things about I don't know if you know about this is Liam Neeson was heavily considered to be Van Helsing for this movie. And a lot of people were, were like, when I was reading, it was like, oh, he should have been. I was like, Liam Neeson, like now or in the last 10 years, could have been Van Helsing. Yeah. But young Liam Neeson could not have been Van Helsing. Back in 92. If yeah. you remember the stuff Liam Neeson was doing back in those days and how he was doing it, he wasn't that great. Yeah. Uh, Dark Man, that was one of the things he was doing. He was garbage in those. Like he was not good at all in those. Like um, now, granted, it's not a good script, but you know, you you have people all the time that take bad scripts and make it watchable movies and make elevated. Yeah. So Liam wasn't at his elevated elevated level like he is now today, where he can basically take any fucking movie and make it like a masterpiece. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's, that's yeah. That's the other thing too is that, 
like when it comes to dealing with Dracula in particular, it's such an infamous novel that it's like it, it's going. People are going to nitpick it to death. It would be like if somebody, like, say, if um, J.K. Rowling had written the Harry Potter books, you know, back in like the late eighteen hundreds, mm-hmm. and we were just getting to adapt it in like the nineteen nineteen nineties, the two thousands, mm-hmm. and people were like, okay, well, we're going to change, you know, Harry, we're going to change Dumbledore, we're going to make a few things here and there. People will be like, that's not how the original book was. That's not what J.K. wrote. You know, because they have the advantage now of having somebody like J.K. actually involved with the production of the mm-hmm. movie. So if they're like, if they're going too far off the path, she'll be like, no, nah, I don't think Hermione would have done that. Let's let's put that differently. And it's like, okay, well, J.K., yo, go ahead and tell us what Hermione would do in that that particular case, and we'll we'll put it back into the movie. We'll we'll write it in. Well, you know, and the thing about J.K. the benefit of having yeah, Stoker. You know, Ram Stoker wrote this and with no idea of ever having it being made into a movie. He didn't even know what movies was. Yeah. Uh, Cause it was movies written in like exist. 1847 or something like that. I think, I think it's actually, it was written in 1897. I looked it up earlier. 1897. So yeah, right before right. the turn of the century, they didn't even have so, like video. Uh, they didn't have uh motion pictures. was like 1901. Yeah. What wasn't it like 1904 when motion pictures started? Something I think like that. So that's when you had your first movie. So pictures. he would have wrote the book without movies in mind. And maybe even, you know, he might've died without movies in mind because he was, you know, he might have not have ever seen a movie because they weren't worldwide at the time. Yeah. You know, you really had to go to America to see movies. The only thing that this could maybe have been adapted to in his time, what he might have thought of was maybe as a play. A play, and I'm pretty sure it was a play. Uh, I, think, At some I point, think it was adapted into uh, versions of plays, but it was also probably, you know, the Jonathan Harkin and Meany and Dracula was probably the play form of it. And that's why the love story came to, I'm pretty sure if someone actually looked up the history of this, I'm pretty sure that's probably where Francis Ford Coppola got the idea for that. Cause if they made a play, they would have had to take the main characters, which is, you know, Dracula, Van Helsing, Meany and Jonathan. Meany and Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. And, make a, a short play out or not a short play, but a couple hour play out of it. And, yeah. You know, cause you could adapt this into a play. Basically it doesn't really pretty easily. Actually yeah. super easy. Barely an inconvenience. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, shout out to Ryan George. Um, <laughs> but, uh, rock hard right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Manzukis. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I think that the thing about the, the adaptation part of this is that, you know, when you look at the kind of stuff that Stoker was writing, I mean, he, he wrote it to be just kind of like a classic, like, you know, lost soul, you know, that's, I mean, and Dracula is not a good person, you know, and like in any way in terms of the book goes, because we both read it. Mm-hmm. And he's not like he's not really depicted as a good person necessarily. Ever but, no, he's no. he's deceitful. He's traitorous. He's you know only really cares about him, his self interest, which is a lot what you see Gary Oldman do too. And that's you know? that's part of his curse, though. Yeah, that's that's yeah. It's yeah. like Dracula's curse is basically that he will forever walk alone. Yeah, so and he has to try to he tries to find things for himself. To make it more enjoyable, but he goes about him the wrong way. Like, you know, as soon as he found 
out that Mina was married, he was came up with this big plot to try to take him take her for himself. Yeah. Away from her husband. Away from Jonathan, yeah. And I don't care what anybody says, the fans are we getting to this? Uh you mean about Keanu. Keanu? Well, we can go to it now if you want to. Yeah, I don't care what anybody says. Even Keanu was like I think he got talked into thinking his performance was bad. But when I think of Jonathan Harkin, I think of Keanu Reeves and his performance in this movie, which is probably, you know, one of the best in this movie. Because I think the cluelessness of his character is one of the things that uh, sells it. Sells it. Yeah. Uh, Coppola's choice for this was Johnny Depp. Yeah, Depp would have been good at this, Jonathan, but I don't think he would have had the uh, the naivety that Keanu does. Johnny would have had the charm, but could he have done the you know cluelessness? Uh, mainly in the uh, razor scene, I just don't know if that could have been captured the same way with Johnny Depp because he would have just shaving like, and he cuts himself. He would have just like a sexy man shaving and some old dude helping him. In this <laughs> scene, it looks way different. It looks way creepy, like. Dracula wants to slit his throat at any moment and stuff yeah. like that, you know, and um, Johnny can do everything, you know, in my opinion. And the reason he did not get this role is because the studio said this is the ridiculous reason he didn't get the role, though. It, it's total nonsense why he didn't get the role, but I'm glad it was Keanu. The reason the studio said they didn't want Johnny Depp is because they wanted a heartthrob to play Jonathan Harkin. So they wanted someone like Keanu Reeves. And I was like, wait, Johnny Depp wasn't a heartthrob. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Jonathan Harker is not meant to be like a heartthrob. He works for a bank. He's just a normal dude. He's supposed to kind of be like an old fashioned nerd. Basically. Yeah. Because I mean, he works for a bank. That's the whole reason he gets involved in this is because uh, Renfield goes originally to Transylvania to, to talk to the Count. Which they try to get Steve Buscemi to play. Oh, he would have been great as this. Now, Tom Waits did a fucking amazing job as Renfield. Yes, because Buscemi straight up turned it down. Yeah. But, I mean, imagine Buscemi in that role, man. He could he could play batshit insane, just mm -hmm. like Tom Waits did in this movie. That would have been great, I think. But the whole reason that this happens is because Renfield goes to visit the Count and when he comes back from Transylvania, he, he is pretty much like his mind is gone because Dracula has basically fucked him up mentally. He thinks that he's going to make him immortal and he keeps calling him master and he keeps trying to find like, you know, like, you know, he's like trying to get a cat at one mm -hmm. point, you know, and it's like, I could, you know, I take, I could take care of a cat and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and it's like, he's just going to sacrifice the cat to Dracula. Like it's not, you can't trust him with an animal in that cell. He's fucking crazy. Fuck, but yeah. the but because Renfield, when he comes back, he's not mentally stable anymore, and he, they put him in the in that institution, that that insane asylum. Um, then they, basically, uh, what happens is the guy running the bank is like, "Well, you know, we have you know word that he's going to uh, he wants to buy some property in England, and he wants to buy it through us, you know." And it's like, "Well, you know, we uh, you know we want to send somebody there. He's requesting that somebody goes, you know, to visit to to talk about the properties." 
And he was like, this is a very big opportunity for you, Jonathan. He was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, he's like, he's like really excited about it. He, he goes to tell Mina, like, you know, I'm going to go, you know, visit the count and I'm going to talk about him buying the property. And, you know, Mina's excited because it means he's kind of getting sort of like a promotion now. Right. But if you have somebody like Dip playing that role, he, I don't think he would, he would, it's like, I, I don't know if he would have been able, been able to pull off that, the nerdy part of his role. I think he would have been too cool. He would have been too cool about it. And Keanu can pull off being um, not naive about things better right. than Johnny Depp can, you know? Exactly. Or even somebody like Brad Pitt, for example. You know, like Pitt, if he was doing this, he would still come across as too cool. Well, you know? he would also came off as way too fucking sexy. Right, yeah. And, and, and Harker's Pitt, not supposed to be, he's yeah, supposed to just look like a normal she's, guy. Uh, Mina's supposed to actually be tempted by Dracula. Um, and if like she was married to Brad Pitt, she probably would have just kept on walking. On She'd be like, "Dude, nah, no fucking way, man! Look, you see who my man is? That's fucking Brad Pitt of me, right? Yeah, that would be yeah. So you could go fuck yourself. I don't care what you're offering that's the cure, me. That's the cure to Dracula, just Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, yeah. It's like don't 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 go fuck Dracula. Look at look at this. It's like okay, fuck you, Dracula. I'm hypnotizing you. No, 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 no. That that over there is hypnotizing. You're just like yeah, some, just a fucking old dude. You're just some old dude <laughs> with weird John Lennon glasses. <laughs> uh, but by the way, Steve Buscemi turned down the role, and he got a even better role, in my opinion. Do you know what role that was? Uh, was it Reservoir Dogs? It was Reservoir Dogs. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense because this is around that time. 1992. 92. Yeah. Um. So, speaking of casting, that was one of the things that people fucking hated about this movie. Oh, I think this cast is pretty amazing. It's a pretty amazing cast, but let's get into what people don't like, right? So, it says, this movie, in my opinion, has to be one of the worst casted films in the history of movie making. At least when you consider that the two main characters are played by Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder. They are two of the most limited actors in Hollywood and (laughs) have never been allowed to read the script in the first place. As bad as they are, they do not even give a good performance even by their standards, most likely due to the poor matching of script to abilities. Did anyone pay attention to how badly all of these talented actors uh, were in this film? Hopkins' adaptation to the Van Helsing accent was ridiculous and annoying. Sir Anthony must have needed the paycheck for this movie. Ryder's acting was melodramatic and unconvincing. She has the appeal of a wet cheesecloth. Gary Oldman, well, he is simply in love with himself. Oldman overplays Dracula immensely, but it's without a doubt uh, that it it was, in fact, Keanu Reeves who kept amazing me. And it's not as if I thought he was great in other films, but in this one, it was absurd and on the verge of parody. The way he looks when he enters Mina's room with his friends to meet the Count, his scattered look, compulsive blinking, lack of any emotion that... Uh, whatsoever just gave me the general feeling that Keanu momentarily forgot in which movie he was playing and was expected what was expected from him. Not to mention that hideous fake British accent and the robotic style Reeves used to convey us uh, he is in character or convey to us that he is in character. I wonder if Keanu took this off his resume. If not, he should. As a comedy, yes, this movie was brilliant. As a gothic horror, this movie is a total waste of time. Two hours of my life I will never get back. Eh. (laughs) Well, um, this guy's obviously um, 
qualified to talk about these things, apparently. Um, right. So I just I, I think because there was a lot of people that were like, well, Gary Oldman is just being Gary Oldman and he's just making his character over the top like he normally does. And I'm like, this movie does not work if Gary Oldman doesn't work. The fucking movie is called Dracula. If he doesn't come across as the thing that you want to see in this movie, this whole fucking movie falls apart. Now, Jonathan Harker and Mina uh, Murray, or Mina Harker, as she, when, as she gets married to Jonathan later, and Jonathan and Mina are very big parts of the story because the early part of the story is driven around Jonathan, and the second half of the movie is driven around Mina. Because he's still stranded in, in, you know, well, Castlevania, basically. He's still stuck in Dracula's castle until he gets help from the nuns. And then he eventually, you know, finds his way back. Uh, but it's, uh, I think it's, it's insane to me that people would go out and attack Gary Oldman. Like, when he's one of the greatest actors that we have of, like, our generation... Yeah, and Wanoa actually is is kind of surprising also, consider she uh been nominated for two Oscars. Right. She hasn't won one, but she'd been nominated twice. But yeah, she has the appeal of a wet cheesecloth. Like, come on. That's just that's just being really super harsh for no reason. Uh it's just, you know, a lot of times people don't like movies and uh they they wanna just attack the actors in the movies, and a lot of times, they might like it. They might just not like the end of it. They might not like situations in it. But for some reason, they just, uh, you know, they just want to attack it. I mean, and Gary Ullman's won an Oscar. He yeah. won an Oscar this year. Yeah. 2018, baby. <laughs> Oscar. Gary Ullman. Yeah. So... He's one of the best actors. Keanu Reeves is one of the most, you know, he, he hasn't been nominated for an Oscar, but he is one of the most productive people in Hollywood. Like, he could take some years off. He comes back, does some John Wick stuff, 54 years old, doing his own stunts, um, looking like he's freaking, you know, 30 years old. Yeah. Um, probably in one of the best shapes of his life, exclude speed. Yeah, uh, or the Matrix. Or the Matrix. So well, I think he was in the best shape in speed, in my opinion. In speed. Well, uh, yeah, he, he was more agile in the Matrix, but he was in like buffs shape and because he yeah because he he had the extra muscle. When yeah, he speed. yeah. yeah. Looked, well, I mean, if you're gonna be working with Sandra Bullock, yeah, you do kind of want to look good, right? You're yeah, like, it's like I want yeah. Sandra to notice me. <laughs> Do you know? Do you know the way to the gym? Yeah. <laughs> Scream, Tommy! Don't do the weight room thing. <laughs> you know, I'll find it. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I'll find it. It's, I, I'll find it. <laughs> back to Tommy Boy. Everything goes back to Tommy Boy. Yeah, it's full full circle. It's the Tommy verse. Right? Yeah, the Tommy. The, Tommy the TCU. The TCU. The yeah, the Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy cinematic universe. <laughs> That's crazy. I think comedy should do that. They should have their own cinematic universe. It kind of makes you wonder why somebody like Adam Sandler hasn't done that yet. Yeah, if anyone would do it, it'd be Adam Sandler. I think it, yeah, probably. I would say so. Probably through Netflix, because Netflix fucking loves that guy. Oh, definitely. 
But his kind of comedy, just randomly since we're on this topic, his kind of comedy kind of works on Netflix because it, it it's comedy that works best when it doesn't have a filter. You know, if it had... Yeah. It, Adam Sandler's this, a, a 90s style comedian, 90s SNL, and, you know, his friends are like David Spade and Kevin James and, you know, Kevin James, as much as I like Kevin James, he wouldn't exist if Chris Farley didn't pass away tragically. You know, I think yeah. Jack Black still would because he just has talent beyond this world, but Kevin James, I think, exists because of the void of Chris Farley. Because they wanted the uh, lovable fat guy. The lovable fat guy that does all these physical feats that he fucks up doing and stuff right. like that. And that, that was Chris Farley, and that's what they want Kevin James to be. It's like imagine Farley as the Paul Blart mall cop. I don't <laughs> think he would have took that role. <laughs> you don't think he would have? But just imagine if he did, he actually he would have made a lot more money with that, I think. Yeah, and I don't, I'm not saying Kevin James didn't do a good job, but I'm just saying, like, a lot of times you look at this stuff, I mean, what's some of the best stuff? All the best stuff Chris Farley did was with David Spade, so I can only assume that he would have just kept working with David Spade. You yeah. Know? Well, I mean, that's so. his buddy. I, I don't see why he would stop. Yeah. But uh, Why would you? I mean, yeah. that's just, like, one of the greatest combos. That's why they always try to do comedies in twos now. Mm-hmm. Because of the success of those two, and sometimes it works, a lot of times it doesn't. Yeah, and then you, know, you get that Spade Farley magic. Uh, the thing, the thing that probably comes the closest to it's what Rogan Franco. Probably, yeah, Rogan and, and uh, yeah, Seth, Seth Rogan and Franco. Yeah, uh, Rogan Franco is probably the closest thing to that. Yeah, more than likely, as far as like a comedy duo, they're trying to do some of that, I guess, with like. Well, the other one would probably be uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that's to me, that's different because they're the ta- they're kind of the same type of comedy. Yeah, you know, they just work in an overabundance with each other. Uh, but yeah, they're they're be- they're definitely great at buddy comedy. Those two. Yeah. Well, I guess Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg also. Yeah. Because they, they do team up and but do buddy stuff, and then Will Ferrell and Kevin and Hart. And then Will Ferrell, yeah, Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart. Will Ferrell and every fucking body. Yeah. When's Will Ferrell going to do a movie with David Spade? Let's just go ahead and get that out there. Yeah. Let's, let's start. Can't, let's start do the campaign. movie. Will Ferrell and David Spade. Yeah. And we'll let David Spade be the Chris Farley. Let him do some stupid shit this time. Right. <laughs> But anyway, getting back to Dracula, right? Because <laughs> we detoured there for a minute. Dracula's canceled. We're only talking about Will Ferrell now. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is Happy Feral Halloween. Cast. This is Feral Cast now. We're only to, this, the, the only source for Will Ferrell and Colin Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> Will Ferrell and Colin Ferrell. And Feral Cats. Yeah, Feral Cats, yeah. <laughs> so, Feral Cat News today in uh, Murfreesboro, <laughs> Tennessee, there was a feral cat that attacked a man's penis. <laughs> Yeah. And probably didn't, find something like that. And didn't make it any smaller than it already was. Oh. <laughs> Coincidentally, that guy also wrote uh, a comments on IMDb. Funny, huh? His <laughs> name was Butch Jones. Butch Jones. <laughs> oh god. Um <laughs> but anyway. Now people really complained about Van Helsing's accent in this movie. Do you think that Hopkins I mean Hopkins, I mean he's Okay, uh, you can stop that sentence right there. When you said, do you think that Hopkins sent it over? Yeah, I think yeah. Hopkins 
knows more about acting than anyone that could post on IMDb. Right. So when people want to challenge his accent for Van Helsing, it's like when you when you were watching this, did you think that like his accent sounded bad? I didn't even think about it, honestly. I didn't either. Because like Van Helsing is supposed to be he's like uh, he's supposed to be like is he Belgian? Isn't he supposed to be Belgian, I think, in the book? You, you Dr. know Van Helsing? I I'm not one hundred percent sure, but whatever he is, I trust Anthony Hopkins. Sir Anthony Hopkins. Sir Anthony Hopkins, he is knighted. Um <laughs> version of whatever happens here. Because it's not like you can be like Oh, well, Anthony Hopkins just did this bad accent because he doesn't know how to do accents. It's like, well, you've never watched Sir Anthony Hopkins do movies before then. He 100% do accents. He just isn't asked to a lot of times because he has an amazing fucking voice. Yeah. His natural voice is just awesome. It's like it's like the the times when Christopher Walken's, you know, supposed to do an accent besides his like New York accent. Yeah, it's like no, don't no. It, it's like it, it's weird if in his case because he's a good actor, but he's he seems more realistic when he uses his Brooklyn like his New York accent. Yeah. When he talks out of that, it doesn't quite seem right. Right. But, but he can do it. He knows how to do it. But Gary Oldman, especially in this movie, he's having to do a Romanian accent. Which is kind of it's difficult to pin down because Romanian accents very distinct, you know, Eastern European. See, Oldman's the guy that can do a lot of voices, and then you're you're really not even sure what voice is actual voice in real life unless you've seen him in a real interview. Like, yeah, you're like, wait, is that his real voice? That's when is you that know. Is, is that his real voice? Is that that movie his? Is that movie his real voice? And then you're like, you see him in an interview and be like. Oh, so the, like the Batman, like the, the like the voice from like Batman movies is actually his real voice. It's like no, nope, he's yeah, from England. Yeah, it's like, but he kind of talks like a little Americanish. Probably real. because he's done it so much now. You know, like his natural voice is kind of Americanish and not as English, but he has some words that he says, and a lot of English comes out. Yeah, but when you just hear him talk normally, you hear a lot of American in it. You know, like it doesn't sound like strong English. Like when you hear like Patrick Stewart talk or something. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, that's English as fuck. Or even like, uh, like Ian McKellen. Sir Ian, Ian McKellen. Sir Ian McKellen. <laughs> yeah. uh, There's a yeah, lot of Ian McKe- I don't know. Sir Ian McKellen, a lot of times when you hear him talk, you hear a lot of like of his English accent not in there. Um, Depending, I guess, on what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, I guess because he can just like have full conversations and just like normal American type voice, and you're just like, yeah. "Aren't you English or something?" Right. That's it's one of like, the things that always kind of got me about somebody like Christian Bale because I, I, you most of the time when you see him in movies, he doesn't use his, his actual Welsh accent. So I didn't even know he was Welsh until well, I saw him then, on like uh, I think it was like uh, the Late Show with like David Letterman. And I was like, "Oh fuck, that's his actual voice." Well, because you don't know, because I watched the uh, I watched him in interviews whenever he was doing Batman, like whenever he was doing the Comic Con stuff on the stages and stuff like that, and he didn't use his Welsh voice then. Yeah, he talked like Bruce through the whole thing. Yeah, it's because his because his, like he, literally until we found out he was actually Welsh, we fucking didn't know he was. I didn't know he was. I thought he was just like an American. We dude. just thought he was an American dude, and it's like. And then you actually hear like him actually talk Welsh, which is very fucking rare, by the way. Yeah. Like, because most of the movies he does, he does an American accent. He doesn't use his Welsh accent. Yeah. And then you actually hear him talk. It's like, wait, what? Wait, where is he from? 
Yeah. And you're like, oh, he's Welsh. And it's like, what? Yeah, he's from Wales. <laughs> Are like, you going to tell me that Neil Patrick Harris is Welsh or something now? No, he's American. Yeah. Still, but, you know, it was that mind-blowing. Like, you could literally, like, tell me Neil Patrick Harris is, is English, and I believe that more than Christian Bell's Welsh, Welsh you know, yeah. because I've never seen that. Because of the accents, yeah. He's literally never used it in a movie, like his own voice. Yeah. Like, ever. Like, could you name a movie that he's actually talked in his own voice? What, Newsies? (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. (laughs) That's the only thing I can think of, for real. That's true, though. That's true. That's the only time he used it. And then he was like, fuck it, I'm never using that again. He's like, I hate my home country. I hate my home country. It's like, look, we'll adopt you as an American man, you know? Yeah, we'll have the American, uh, we'll have the country's draft. Yeah, the country's draft. Sl- like, celebrities like America, or whatever. It's America like, we'll take Christian Bell, Christian Bell, Christian Bell. Yeah. <laughs> and would be like, fuck, we lost him. Shit. We lost Christian Bell. And they drafted Gary Oldman. God damn it. Damn it. <laughs> 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 it would be, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what country would get who. Haiti took M and M. What? Haiti? <laughs> yeah, apparently White Club Jean's like really big in M and M. He's like, I got uh, Dre's like, fuck. Yeah, damn it. <laughs> White Club's like, I haven't done shit in years, man. I need him. I yeah. need him. <laughs> I need, I need, I need some of M and M's magic, man. I hadn't done shit in a long time. <laughs> uh there was somebody at work one day that called him White uh, Clef Jean, <laughs> and I'm like, "It's Jean. It's French. He's from he's from like Haiti. you know, like Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, Jean Claude. Yeah, it's it's like the French version of of, of Jean is Jean. How, how do you how do you fuck that up? Though? I don't know Wyclef how you Jean, fuck that like up. literally like Wyclef any Jean. Like anytime you hear anybody talk about him as White Clef Jean, because you uh, <laughs> oh you know you know White Clef Jean. Yeah, Wyclef Jean. <laughs> like, what? You mean Wyclef Jean? What the fuck? Jean-Clude. <laughs> yeah, Jean-Clude. Because, yeah, because Claude would be all fucked up if you just said it normal. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. He's from Belgium, you know, mm-hmm. the muscles from Brussels. So, it's like, I-, I think everybody does a pretty good job in this movie of sticking to their accents, I mm-hmm. think, since everybody wanted to make fun of that for the casting reason. Um, and we'll, we'll clean, we'll, we'll get to the end of this point and then we'll, we'll move on to the next thing. But, um, I mean, who else would you cast though? But like Winona Ryder is from America, you know, Keanu Reeves, he was like born in Hawaii. So he's American. So they both have to do English accents. Oldman is having to do a Romanian accent because he's supposed to be Vlad Tepesh. He's Dracula. So he even speaks in Romanian at the beginning of the movie when he's like, I condemn God. And he like stabs the cross and everything. And, you know, he's like, they're like talking, the priests are talking to him and, uh, and that kind of stuff. Like when he's talking in that sequence, he's talking entirely in Romanian, which is just amazing that like Oldman can just do these languages without having to think about it, you know, and he can do the accents. And then uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins can do the Van Helsing accent and it's like you have really good people here that are doing a lot of accents that are not their own. I mean, uh, well, I guess the one that probably didn't have to stretch very much was uh, Carrie Elways. Because he had – was Arthur supposed to be English or was he supposed to be an American? I don't remember exactly. I'm sure he's supposed to be English. You think he's supposed to be English, yeah, because Carrie still used most of his accent when he's dealing with uh, but Lucy. But Carrie is just fucking amazing anyway. Yeah, Carrie Elways. Um, but uh, – 
I just think that for the people who want not to, to be confused with John Elway's. Yeah. <laughs> That's the dumbest stupid <laughs> shit. I think you have said it on the show. Oh, shit. Probably. But I had to say it. Yeah. Well, anyway. But if you're going to talk about, like, bad acting and you're, you're talking about people like Gary Oldman and Sir Anthony Hopkins and, like, these kind of actors, it's like, I, I don't think you really have the ability to say anything. Because we know that these are great actors, and it's like, just let them do... This is the interpretation of the accent and the way that they saw it. Whether or not it's what you believed that it was supposed to be in your head, that's irrelevant. It's what they did out of the performance, and it's what they wanted out of it, and it's what the director wanted out of it. The yeah. way that you think their accent should be in your head is irrelevant. Just shut up and fucking watch the movie, and just take the accents for what they are. And most likely, these people that are complaining about the accents have, ne have never actually heard anyone use that accent before. Right. If you want to say that Van Helsing's accent's bad, it's like, well, then do you know what a Belgian accent's supposed to sound like? It's like, you know, I mean, if you... Have you ever been to Belgium? Yeah, it's like, have you ever been to Belgium? Have do you, you know? seen uh, anything from Belgium to compare your statement to? Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure these actors have, and that's what they based it from. Yeah. I mean, to think that, that Anthony Hopkins would just show up on a set and be like, okay, what am I supposed to be? Okay, you're a Belgian doctor who's been, you know, hunting, uh, you know, vampires and he's been hunting Dracula. Okay, how about this accent? So how about I throw this at you? I'm a Belgian actor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Anthony Hopkins would do that shit, man. He's more professional than that. I'm like, Belgian. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just, uh, I just think people... I'm Belgian. My name is Van Helsing. Yeah. Ga Gabriel Van Helsing. I'm Gabriel Van Helsing. I didn't read the script. Yeah. This is Anthony Hopkins. Sir Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. He I mean, read the script. He did his work. If you think you he do knew. better, then do better. And then we'll, you know, we'll have people post about you. But Anthony Hopkins is a fucking Shakespearean actor. Yeah. So is Gary Oldman. So is Keanu, for that matter. Yeah. Keanu yeah, fucking can do Shakespeare. People probably are like, no, the his, fuck he cannot. His Hamlet is one of the most fucking revered Hamlets in the world. Don't people like base Hamlet now on Keanu Reeves? Off Keanu Reeves. Yeah. So Not Mel Gibson. Sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think we're going to go ahead and take a break here. Yes. <laughs> And we're back. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, after uh, trashing Mel Gibson there at the end of the last... <laughs> we had to take a break. Had to take a drink. <laughs> yeah. Hit the punching bag a couple times. Get ready for a fight. Mel Gibson's going to break in the door ready to headbutt some shit. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh man but uh especially if I am any percentage of you know Jewish descent in me <laughs> yeah oh man shots fired um <laughs> so I'm just kidding you're okay Mel you're yeah okay. you can't hold things you say in a drunken rage against you for life not like you've ever physically attacked a 
you know, Jewish person or anything. You just said that in one drunken night. We can't hold that against you for the rest of your life, can we? No, I don't think so. Although it definitely did change people's perception of Mel. <laughs> yes, it did. And it should have. But it was a drunken night. You know, he's never done it again. So Yeah. So some people can move on from fucked up stuff like Isn't that. Isn't America supposed to forgive, move on? Second chances are earned. I think he earned it. Yeah. But uh, as far as... Like on this the movie. sucked. Okay, go. <laughs> so on this movie, uh, getting to uh, the next point um, is when I was going through the comments, a lot of people had things to say about just the straight up amount of sex that goes on in this movie, mm-hmm. and also the violence because they're like, this is like fairly violent, especially towards the end of the movie, but. What, you're telling me a movie about Dracula has blood, sex, and violence? This is fucking insane. Who'd have fucking thought, right? I um, thought it was going to be all rainbows and unicorns. And all that happy shit, yeah. It's like, most vampire movies aren't, like, very happy. They're they're bloody, they're violent, you know? They have the sex element, because you always have the sex element in vampire stuff. True blood. True, bl- it's true blood, especially. A <laughs> um, bunch of banging. You'll see some Anna Paquin titties. Or yeah. anybody's titties, or a bunch of titties, or probably I think Alexander Skarsgård's dick. Yeah. You can watch True Blood, <laughs> right? So you know if you're into that, um, into the Scars dick. Uh, <laughs> That's why I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> and a pack with whatever. Alexander Skarsgård, yeah. though. That's a fucking man right there. <laughs> Not as sexy as John Hamm, but very close. Very close. Very um, close. Hashtag John Hamm for president. Or uh, Alexander Skarsgård, who can't even run. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, uh, but it's, uh, so this this section, it says, as I watched it, it was almost certain that it was an inaccurate representation as there is so much vile nudity and violence that it seemed to be a glimpse into Coppola's disgusting, misogynistic brain rather than a 19th century classic. I have just finished the book and I would like to probably say I, I am correct. Although the book subverts women entirely and paints them as weak, timid creatures that need to be protected by men, they are at least far from from wanton, except, of course, for the siren-like vampires, uh, which are part of Dracula's harem. Uh, The job description of every female character was to orgasm wildly to the mere sight of Dracula. I guess this is why all the weird kids in the mall call themselves vampires. And watch their chests in bed because their dim-witted editor would have uh, would have them switch between clothed and nude on every other shot. Oh, and one more thing. When in the book, when in the book did they ever mention fountains of blood going off when people are bitten? It seems like the director was constantly throwing blood, vomit, or fountains in whenever he felt like it. Okay, so two things. The first thing is, does any... Okay, so Bram Stoker's Dracula is hard to interpret into movie. It'd be like interpreting Dante's Inferno into a movie. Right. It'd be very hard. Second of all, yes, Francis Ford Coppola is a misogynist. And yeah. he proved it during the direction of this movie. He treated no one else like shit except Winona Ryder. Called her a slut, a whore, all kinds of number nameless stuff to try to impose a reaction out of her. He did none of that to any of the male 
actors. Just female. And he didn't do it to Lucy's actress either. Didn't do it to Lucy's actress either. Yeah, he just did it to Wynoa. The person that handed him the script to do this movie and saved his company. Which is kind of crazy that he would do that to Wynoa <laughs> because she doesn't need to have somebody yelling at her like that so that she can method act or whatever. She's the most talented actress in this movie. Right. <laughs> you know. She's the one that you're the most least likely uh, to do this too. And as I was researching about Francis Ford Coppola's um, directing methods, especially in this movie and some of the Godfather stuff too, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, the more I know that he was definitely a misogynist, he enjoyed making these women cry because of what he was yelling to them. Because there's different ways to get these results in directing you know, um, you can't tell me that, you know, um, Ryan Coogler is sitting there, you know, calling Tessa Thompson a whore and a bitch and a slut and Creed just to make her cry in some of those scenes. No, yeah. I don't think that's how the, those scenes get made. I don't think that's how this scene had to get made. No. And whenever I was doing my research about it and I was like... This this kind of makes me hate him a little bit because the, that's not the way to get this scene. No, and it's not like Winona needs to have that kind of motivation. She's a perfectly capable actress on her own. She can get that kind of a reaction without Coppola having to try to make it genuine. But it shows you the industry's trying to be dominant over the women and just you know because she was a superstar. She was she was the star of this movie. Keanu Reeves was in it and Gary Oldman was in it, but she was the star of the movie. She's in more of the movie than any of them. Well, the uh, story ultimately becomes the story of, of Mina to a mm -hmm. degree. Like I was saying earlier, it starts off as Jonathan Harker's story. Yeah, but and then it's it her, Mina's her, story. It's at her the movie. End. Yeah. It's her because movie. Dracula is chasing her because he feels like this is the reincarnation of, of Elisabetta, his, his wife that, killed herself at that on her, on, you know, at his castle, mm -hmm. you know, that this is supposed to be like his long lost love. He's getting an opportunity to, you know, to, to find her again in the world. And she looks exactly like Elizabeth, you know? So he's like, Oh shit, this is my chance. I can actually re reunite with her again in a different lifetime because Mina looks exactly like her. And even, you know, probably has the same characteristics that she does because when he first sees her in Jonathan's like locket, He's like, oh shit, she looks exactly like like Elisabetta. And it's like, damn. <laughs> yeah. And that's what sets the story in motion is him seeing Mina in that locket. Well the, the story is the story is her. That's that's what I'm saying. So she's the main character because the story is her. Yep. It's just like, oh, why why do they call the video game Zelda if you play as Link the whole time and you barely even see Zelda? I was like, well, because the story of it's about Zelda. Princess Zelda, yeah. It's about rescuing Zelda. It's not about Link. He's the guy going to rescue her. But it's about her. Yeah. So it's the same thing in this this movie. And regardless what you think of you inspiring directors, if you have to verbally abuse your actress to try to get the... If you think you have to do that to get the response that you, you, you need out of her... Get another actress. But I don't think that was the problem here. That's just something he wanted to do. Yeah. Because Winona Ryder was never a bad actress. No. 
any I'm, time in her career, she wasn't. So that that's just unnecessary. And they've never worked together since. So it, it wasn't like she was cool with it. No. Well, and the other thing, too, like it, it, that also kind of sheds a little bit of light on as to why he really hasn't done anything big budget since, what would you say, like 97? 97 since uh, whatever the thing he did after this was. Yeah. So he really uh, has not had a lot of things going on. And it could be that this was maybe the early beginnings of that whole Me Too movement. A lot of people just didn't want to work with actresses, anymore. especially did not want to work with them, and it was just harder for him to cast anybody. Yeah, and so uh, Kubrick's been guilty of this too. I mean, I know he's dead now, but he he did the same thing with uh, Shelley Duvall in The Shining, where he made her do like the same scene over and over again, like a hundred times in like the same day. Until she was like shaking and crying, and then she did the scene, and they're like, "Oh, that was amazing! It was more realistic." And it was like, "Yeah, but you didn't make Jack Nicholson do the same thing in this." No. So you were just torturing her because he knew that Jack would probably punch him out on the set. If he... Jack would be like, "I'm doing this shit five times, and I'm fucking leaving." Yeah, if you don't and like, like what okay, I did, then yeah, just we fire respect me. that, Jack. We're good with that scene, but you, you got to keep doing it. Shelly, do it, we, do we it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it until it drove her insane and she's shaking and crying. I'm like, oh yeah, that's good, that's good. We'll do that. Let's do it five more times like that. Then, you know, that's just, you just that's just abusing that women. That's just abusing them. Yeah. You know, Shelley Duvall is just as good as actress as Jack Nicholson is as an actor. And why, why does she have to do a hundred more takes than he does? Well, and that's the thing, too, is that I think when you you look at the way that old Hollywood was, you know, the directors back in these kind of times could get away with stuff like that because women honestly didn't say anything about it. They didn't bring it up. Now They were afraid the to. Yeah, yeah, they were definitely afraid to. They, because the men had all the power in Hollywood, and now you see that now try to be like, hey Emma, we're gonna have Emma Stone. We're gonna have you do this scenes a hundred times until you're shaking and crying. She'd be like, no, go fuck yourself. This scene's good. You go ahead and cut and edit that shit in your room. Let's yeah. go to the next scene. Well, I want you to do it more. I don't give a fuck what you want. Yeah, I'm done. Like Let's is. go. <laughs> How many more takes of this do we have to do until yeah. you get the that's performance? That's as good as I can. That's as good as you're gonna get. Let's let's move on. Yeah, you and know. It, but I think that like as far as this movie goes, I think. Uh, it, it's interesting because you're doing a movie about a, an, a manipulative monster that is basically trying to impose his will over women. And that's almost the same thing that Coppola does to Winona, especially. You yeah. Know? And John was like, did this movie make him a monster? Like, yeah, she, yeah he was he was like, did, did he get so obsessed with the whole? Like, did he get so obsessed with the story Dracula that he actually thing. started treating women, women like the Dracula character was yeah. treating women? And that's a great theory. I would like to know your guys' theory on this because I don't have the answer to this. Um, and maybe you guys can help us with this because I love, loved Francis Ford Coppola before I did the research on this movie. So you guys, please email us at beyondthehadeyadu.com and uh, please, you know, help, help us. Like, tell us something about this. Like, is this something that you think Coppola actually went through during the movie where he was kind of becoming like the character that he was directing or was he always like this, which is what I think. Yeah. Cause I mean, I don't know if we have any other instances of him doing these, doing this in other movies, 
Because like when he did the Godfathers, we didn't really hear anything about this. But you didn't hear anything about Talia Shire, but they were also related. Yeah. So he probably couldn't have done that to Talia. Or he could have, and she didn't say anything because they're family. Because they are family. But I, you know, I, I feel like, especially in a movie like this where the sex is played up a lot, the violence is played up a lot because of all the well, it, it's a it's a vampire movie, so you're going to expect blood at some point. I mean, you don't see like a lot of blood necessarily in this movie, but you see enough. I mean, it's not like you know, Blade like bloodbath levels <laughs> of just like you know, showers full of blood type of stuff. Shameful. But, yeah. I mean, oh, imagine bloodbath. Bloodbath. <laughs> um, you think you know me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> now that's Edge. That's totally different. <laughs> Uh, he um, was he was a part of <laughs> uh, he was a part of the brood. Yeah, he was a part of the. We brood. talked about this on the Blade episode. He was a vampire. Yeah, um, maybe he still is. He has an age of day. Yeah, Adam Copeland, young as shit still. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, as far as the violence and the the blood and all that kind of stuff, you're, you're going to see that in a vampire movie. But I, I think the other thing too is that. Like you, you have to show, especially in Dracula's case, you have to show how brutal he is. I mean, at the beginning of the movie, I mean, you have to get across that Vlad Tepesh is Vlad the Impaler. I mean, he literally like impales this guy on a spike and then and then picks him up, and then that's how he became known as Vlad the Impaler because he was brutal to people. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't show that and you don't show the violence, you don't understand how much of a sadistic monster he was before he became Dracula. You know. Like, Vlad Tepesh in real life is not actually a vampire. I mean, there's no evidence to indicate he has anything like that. And was actually mostly considered a hero amongst his people. There's still statues to Vlad (laughs) Tepesh in Romania. Yeah, the the real guy was actually somebody that actually kept Romania safe and was a great prince and warrior. Yeah, he didn't allow them to be invaded. Um, So he's treated as a hero, you know. Uh, we 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 talked about some of the stuff when we did the Blade episode because I was listening to it today. <laughs> it was his victims that thought he was like some supernatural some force of vampire because he had such a small military and won so many battles. Right. So they were like, it usually have- wasn't his own people. It was other people. Like this guy has to be like supernatural, like a vampire or something. You know? Yeah. Like those were the stories spread. Like they thought he was like something. Oh, no one sees him except at night, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Right. And Stoker took a lot of ideas for the Dracula character from reading the myths and the legends about Vlad Tepesh. Exactly. Dracula also, because Dracula, basically the character is taken, his image, his likeness is taken from Vlad the Impaler, from the mustache to the dark hair Mm -hmm. and everything. That is exactly what Vlad looked like because he had the mustache and everything. Yeah, there are some old school paintings that you can still see. Uh, today in Romania, um, uh, yeah, that looks just like that. Yeah, and then the other part of his mythos about a lot about the blood part is from Elizabeth Bathory. Yeah, because Stoker kind of tied in together. Yeah, because Stoker was reading about Eastern European like legends and myths, and Vlad Tepesh and Elizabeth Bathory came up as two people that he read about, and he was like, okay, these two are fascinating. And I also think it's interesting, too, how in this movie they use the uh, babies as basically food because 
you know, he gives a baby to the uh, the concubines at his castle, mm-hmm. and it's it's almost like it. That's sort of taken a little bit from Elizabeth Bathory because she liked young girls, and like they had the the whole thing where you know they were like, well, sometimes she would take babies because their blood was more pure, and then sometimes she would bring in like teenagers because. They hadn't had sex yet, and she liked the virginal blood, and there's all those kind of myths. Yeah, all those things about Elizabeth Battery uh, um, actually has been proven to be untrue. Well, that's the thing, because there's a lot of legends about her, but because they didn't keep good records back in those days, you get a lot of these crazy mythos about her, these myths. Yeah, because the drinking the blood and bathing in it and stuff, there's never been any, like, proof about that. Like, the murders, there's been proof about that. Because they had bodies. (laughs) They had bodies, but not the drinking and bathing in the blood. That's not why she did any of that. She was just kind of... A psychopath. Psychopath, yeah. Yeah. Well, she wasn't wasn't kind of a psychopath. She was 100%... A psychopath. <laughs> but uh, the uh, – so let's talk about something a little bit different here. So the next section, and this is going to strike you probably odd because you probably know what Academy Awards this won. But people didn't like the costumes of this movie and the sets and everything. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so um, the – the comment reads like this. So it says, I also don't recall in the scene, in, uh, the scene in the book where Dracula appears in a red satin long trained kimono between that attire, the white grease paint on his face and the ornate hairdo that includes a complicated braid topped off with, 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 with uh, what can only be described as a uh, derriere or ash shaped basket on Gary Oldman's head. This Dracula resembles nothing like the uh, like n- nothing so much as an aging geisha. Ill-advisedly, <laughs> I, I had to save that line because I was like, some, somebody watched this and was like, "Why does he look like an old white dude trying to be a geisha?" And I'm like, "How the fuck do you get?" No, man, that's not at all what he's going for here. <laughs> that was that was funny, though. Yeah, it was funny. That's why I saved that particular Yeah, that one. was funny. Well worded, but wrong, but that's very funny. Right, yeah. Uh, it says, ill-advisedly, Coppola hired a Japanese costumer named Aiko Ishioka to handle the wardrobe. The story takes place in Transylvania <laughs> and England, Francis. It says the much touted makeup and costumes are so over the top and ridiculous. It's amazing. The actors wore them without laughing. A special note is whatever the hell dress Sadie Frost has to wear. The white lace thing with the Elizabethan neck ruff ruffle that has its, uh, that needs its own zip code. Miss Frost looks like her head has been detached and placed on a really large dolly or doily. Um, <laughs> like a, yeah, like a, uh, like a, like a, uh, cup doily on a table. It actually does kind of, yeah, I can see that now. Uh, Dracula's muscle system striated armor is plastic and it shows. Kudos to whoever convinced Coppola that Dracula wandered around his castle in a hostess gown and wore his hair in a double hump albino beehive. (laughs) The Prince of Darkness is now the Queen of Transylvania. Even Liberace would have had trouble managing this look. You're in trouble when the most remembered thing about your movie is a very, very bad wig. (laughs) <laughs> well, this guy apparently very homophobic. Um, so, do you yeah. want to guess after this comment? I mean, this this is like kind of a quick answer. Um, 
You want to guess what the three Oscars were won for? Um, I uh, just try to guess one. It, you don't try to. Was it set design, makeup, and costumes? You got two of them right. Okay. Uh, they won an Oscar for best makeup. Okay. Best costume design and best effects and sound effects. Oh, the effects. Okay, yeah. All right. So that's three of their Oscars. Two of those things he was complaining about. Right. Saying that they were the worst of it. With his uh, makeup and costumes, which means the movie's right in your possession perception of the time or the character is wrong because they nailed it. Yeah. They nailed the concept of it. And yeah, Dracula would look kind of weird because he gets younger when he drinks blood. Right. That's why he looks young when he is meeting Mina. Because he's been able to, to drink blood. He's for been able to feed. But whenever he's not able to feed, he's this old frail man type thing. Yeah. Um, and I thought his haircut looked kind of cool because it's like you don't normally see shit like that. They actually shaved Gary Oldman's hairline because of the pictures of Vlad the, Vlad the Impeller's hairline is back. It's receded. It's receded a ways. Yeah. So they actually, you know, just shaved his hairline and put the rest of the stuff back that way. So, yeah. It's historically accurate in that way, actually. So yeah, this guy's fucking wrong. I just, but like the idea that he looks like like an aging geisha, it's like I, his his jacket doesn't look like a geisha jacket. It might be maybe the same kind of like that silk material. But what he means jacket, is it looks good. He's not a geisha gown. It's no. just it's just a silk gown, which was more. It was more common than just. You know, uh, Japan. Japan. Yeah. I mean, he, he is a fucking Romanian prince. He's a Transylvanian prince. Yeah. To, to think that, I mean, if you look at his castle, his castle's fucking huge. He could have been from transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> As a sweet transvestite, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tim Curry could have played this character. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. He it's like, it's he like Tim not. Curry could have replaced Gary Oldman, and then it's like, when you say that, you're like, nah, that sounds retarded. No, he couldn't. That couldn't no, have couldn't. really happened. Um, but uh, I just, I, because I, to me, it's like when I see, when I, when he, and also like when you look at his, uh, his silk robe that he wears with the, the long tail, mm-hmm. you know, when he's like walking Jonathan into the castle to kind of like, you know, so he can, he can eat and everything. And uh, you, you see his jacket or his, uh, his silk robe. He actually has the dragons on it because mm-hmm. Dracul, or where the name Dracula comes from, it means dragon. It means dragon in Romanian because you know he's from the order of the dragon, you know, which is basically a group of warriors that are supposed to protect uh, Transylvania or the the old kingdom, you know, from invaders that are not Christian. That's exactly right. So it's like he has the dragons from the order of the dragon, like etched into his his wardrobe, you know. And I, it's, uh, I think that people looking at this, they're, they don't have any understanding of history because they're like, why is he wearing like a geisha robe? Why is he wearing like something looks like a fucking open kimono? And it's like, that's not all what it looks like. If you know what a kimono looks like, it doesn't look like this. And it's like the only reason that I think they, they thought that was because it was made out of silk like kimonos, like, like ceremonial kimonos are. 
you know, and considering that the, the woman who, who did the costuming is Japanese, she would know how to make something out of silk like that because I'm, I would assume that she understands how to make a kimono, right? So I just, but it, it, we assume, yeah, we assume, um, you know, it, it would be like saying like somebody, you know, who, you know, somebody who works in Texas understands how to make a cowboy hat. That's not a very far logic leap to make. You're from that. Would have been awesome if Dracula had a cowboy hat. That would be fucking awesome. <laughs> he just shows up to England instead of wearing the top hat. He's wearing a cowboy hat, and you're like, that doesn't fucking make sense, but it looks cool. <laughs> it's like, well, Matthew McConaughey worked on the set. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all, all right, right, all right. right. <laughs> hey, hey, D, man, I got you. I got you something pretty cool, man. This is a this is a vintage cowboy hat you from wear the seventeen hundreds, man. <laughs> <laughs> Throw this cowboy hat on. It's like. It's, this work with cow uh, the timeline? Yeah, cowboys had existed. Yeah, so there's some... even a Texan in the fucking movie, man. <laughs> there is some bitch on. There is some bitch on. Get on out there. <laughs> Get on out there, pat him on the ass. Tell him, come on, baby. Come on, baby. <laughs> oh, man. I wonder if anybody's going to get that reference, or is that just us that's going to know nope. what the fuck that Only is. Only people that watch SEC football. Yeah. So basically, only, only winners. Yeah. Only winners will get that. Nah, I wouldn't say that. That guy was weird. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, the the other thing, and this is kind of like the last point that people didn't like about this, and this goes to two of our stars in the movie, so this is about Jonathan and Mina specifically, and things related to Jonathan and Mika. There's some, or Mina, there's some other things in there too, but... It says, uh, I could talk all night about the mistakes he's made. Uh, for one, Jonathan Harker, and, and this is in, in terms of like the, talking about Coppola. Mm -hmm. For one thing, Jonathan Harker and Mina Murray, not just, not just as sweethearts, but also as aristocratic Victorians, have a chaste and pure relationship. A relationship that does not require sloppy, sweaty sex to show virtue and passion. Coppola has not only discarded of Jonathan Harker's importance to the story... He also has totally distorted Mina's gentle, heroic character by pretending to himself that she is actually Dracula's long-lost reincarnated love. Having a tagline for the movie like Love Never Dies and a theme of love between Dracula the Wraith and Mina the Maiden is ludicrous. It is, only, it, it is not only ludicrous because it is never what Bram Stoker intended. It is also ridiculous because Mina and Dracula do not love each other. How can Dracula basically rape Lucy have a harem of brides, and adore Mina all at once. Whenever the two are around each other, they behave like sex-deprived, sex-seeking, silly little lustful teenagers sucking each other's nipples and canoodling each other in public places. Where is the real love in that? I think Coppola should be ashamed for ruining such a beautiful story. If he wanted to make a movie, uh, if he wanted to make a movie, another scummy ex ex excuse of a vampire movie, he should have wrought, uh, wrote it with his own story or wrote it with his own story and his own characters. Well, the thing about it is it isn't love. It is, it's mind control. It's mind control. He's using his powers because he thinks it's, it should be love. She doesn't have a say in the matter. No, Lucy got corrupted by him. Yeah. Mina gets corrupted by him. He only cares about himself and what he thinks should happen. That's, you know, that's the importance. That's why Van Helsing is in this movie. 
and why, you know, Jonathan Harkins in this movie. Uh, because, you know... Jonathan Harker is who she actually loves, not Dracula. Not Dracula, and Van Helsing's kind of like a, um... What would you call it? Uh... He's kind of an enforcer, in a way. Kinda, yeah. He, you know. You know, you know what he kind of reminded me of? is like, uh, Dr. Loomis from Halloween... You know, like he, I kind of drew a sort of a comparison to that, that he mm-hmm. understands the situation because Dr. Loomis was the one who used to do the psychology stuff on Michael Myers mm-hmm. and Van Helsing has been studying vampires and he knows about exorcisms and he, he knows about like, you know, vampires and stuff like that. And so it, it's, I think it's kind of interesting because you have somebody like Van Helsing who understands when he, after he sees the, you know, that Lucy has the teeth and, you know, when her skin starts to become pale and he was like, this is Nosferatu. This is, this is vampire. You know, he's like, I know what this is because I've, I've, you know, I've, I've read about this before. And so he, I don't know if he's exactly seen it up close, but he's read enough about Mm -hmm. the vampire mist that he feels like Lucy has been turned and he knows what they should do because he's the one that's like, you have to stab him in the heart and you have to behead them. Yeah. That's the only way to take care of it. And it's interesting because people that think that this is a, a Gothic love story, it is a love story when it comes to Mina and Jonathan. It is not a love story when it comes to Dracula and Mina. He thinks that what he's going to do is he's like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to use my powers. I'm going to take control of her mind and I'm going to make, I'm going to turn her to my side and make it where she wants to leave Jonathan. And she's going to feel like it's her choice, but it's not. He's mind controlling her the whole time. Yeah. I mean, he's basically raping her. Yeah. Like in a, uh, like in a, at a spiritual level, yeah. like a spiritual rape, basically. Still, that's worse. Yeah, that's and then worse. there's the one point where she's so overcome with, like his, she can't resist his power anymore, and she's basically like, "I want to, I want to become immortal. I want to, I want to be with you forever." And then you know she starts like you know drinking his blood, and then you know he bites her and everything to start turning her, and that's when she starts becoming a vampire herself. And then they're like, "Okay, well she needs to be with Van Helsing because he's the only one that could probably keep her under control." And then eventually he starts using her to start casting like spell type stuff when they're outside of the castle, trying to prevent him from entering his castle again at the very, very end when they're, you know, they're doing the the train sequence and stuff. And then the other guys are on horseback and they're trying to to chase the, uh, the carriage holding the count. And she starts casting that spell to try and make the sun go away so that his powers will rise again because he won't be exposed to the sun anymore. And it's like he's basically just using her to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really care about Mina necessarily. He doesn't care about her. He wants his his former wife back. And he feels like Mina's the closest thing that he's found that looks so he's like trying her, to make her his, his wife again. Wife. And it's not her life. That's why, you know, like he, he even like uh, Van Helsing grabs the uh, it's like the, the communion wafer and puts it on her forehead and it like burns the the cross into her forehead from the wafer and stuff because she's, you know, cause she's cursed now like he is yeah, and all that kind of stuff. And then what happens whenever they get back into the chapel and he's been stabbed and you know, it's like he, he finally gets to the point where he's just kind of like, okay, I know that I'm not going to be able to have my life again. And I don't care about the immortality anymore. You know, just, he's just kind of like, just end it, just end it. I'm done with it. I don't care anymore. And then she cuts his head off, and then as soon as that happens, boom, she reverts back to what she was. 
the scar from her forehead is gone. And it's like, because the curse of Dracula mm-hmm. has been lifted and she's no longer a vampire anymore because she, she ended him and, and killed the curse and killed him too, because she cut his damn head off. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Yeah. But I, I think that that's part of the point is that for people who thought that this was a love story between Mina and Dracula didn't fucking pay attention to the movie because it obviously isn't. He uses mind control to get Lucy. He uses mind control to get Mina, you know? So I, yeah, I, think- I mean, he's smarter. I mean, she's smarter than all of them, really. I mean, she's the main character. Yeah, basically. So, you know, when you think about what this movie is supposed to be and, and what it's, intention is supposed to be this is supposed to be a a, like a morality tale basically because it basically shows especially at the end when dracula gets nothing of what he wants he can use all the powers that he has and he can command beasts and he can turn himself into mist and he can turn himself into different creatures like a bat he can turn himself into something like a wolf and he has all these different powers. He can use his uh, manipulation to affect people's minds. And he can do all these different things. But the one thing that he cannot have is the thing that he wants the most. He can never love again because of what he did to curse himself in the first place. And when he, like, you know, in the beginning of the movie, when he renounces God and he's like, I renounce God and, you know, why does God allow this to happen and all these kind of things? And he strikes out against the church. That's what cursed him. He was never going to be able to have a normal life. You know, I mean, he can he can live in perpetuity in his castle and, and do all that kind of thing. But the thing that you realize when you watch this movie is that no matter what kind of power he thinks that he has, he will he will always be cursed and he will never be able to enjoy anything ever again because of his own actions. It's his actions that put himself in this and he has to basically die knowing that he will never experience love again. What he thinks he loves about Mina is not really Mina. It's him trying to reclaim what he used to have with Elizabeth. It's uh, objectifying her because she looks like me, uh, his, his, uh, his former wife. Yeah. Well said, by the way, the rest of the stuff, well said, um, So that's, yeah, that's pretty much the movie. Yeah, basically. I mean, that's pretty much the end of the comments. I think that this movie and, you know, and Coppola is flawed, you know. I mean, we we know that uh, there was some difficulty with the actresses. Well, especially in Winona's case in dealing with him. And so that, that you know, and unfortunately, that's just sort of the thing that we have to deal with. With Hollywood, some of these things that we've learned about some of these directors and different people they're not they're not good things but i think that the one thing that we can learn from all this is that you know in in hollywood especially you you can be a genius and you can be a monster at the same time you know when you look at uh you know somebody like harvey weinstein you know i mean he's you know one of the most successful like producers in hollywood and he's responsible for a ton of careers getting off the ground and He's made a lot of money in Hollywood. He's considered one of the greatest talents as far as producing talent. He's pretty much a piece of shit as a human being, though, because he objectifies women. He would objectify women to get roles. And, you know, if anything, I think this movie proves that you might think that you have power over women because Dracula definitely thinks that he does. And at the end of the day, he gets his fucking head cut off for it. 
So you might think that you're able to use your power over women to get what you want, but that can only take you so far. And then eventually you're seen for the monster that you are. And this movie actually, in a weird way, kind of mirrors some of this stuff that's going on using your power and your influence to have influence over women and get what you want. But it's all shallow because none of it's real. You know, you might think that, Oh, well, I got this actress to have sex with me so she could get a role. You're just using your power and your position to get what you want, but it's not real. And at the end of the day, she's better off than you are. Yes. You know, so it's kind of weird, you know, how you find that stuff about Coppola being, you know, basically an asshole to Winona. And it's, you know, it, to a degree, it kind of mirrors the, how Dracula treats women in the movie. He treats them as objects. Well, that and Winona has an amazing career right now and still and probably yeah. always will because uh, she's one of those women, like a lot of women in Hollywood, that, that can age with the roles, you know, I mean, yeah. she, she still looks great and amazing and she, you know, it doesn't even matter if she doesn't because she still has the acting skills and she's still, She can always act. Yeah, she's still doing an amazing job. I mean, our first movie that we did for Halloween was Beetlejuice and, you know, she did a fantastic job in that movie. Day. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good stuff. Okay. So... The, the this movie was pretty damn good, and uh, a lot of the hate was not deserved. No, um, it's an adaptation of Bram Stoker's novel, but don't if you go into this thinking like this is just going to be a pure recreation of Bram Stoker's novel, it's not. Just don't have those kind of expectations. This is this for, is somebody's version of Bram Stoker's story. For one. The Bram Stoker's Dracula is too long to make in one movie. If he's going to make a three-part series, he could probably could have used it word for word. It's just too young. It's too. It's too long. It's too much information. So you have to kind of adapt it for yourself. Because in order to fit that in a two-hour runtime, you have to you have to shortcut some things. You've also got to be able to sell tickets, so you're going to have to jazz up some things like some of the nudity. You know, like especially like when you see like the the harem of the vampires and they're trying to feed on Jonathan and you, you see that kind of stuff and you're like, Oh, why the fuck did he put that in this movie? It's like, well, because he's got to show that, you know, there's the harem of, of the women and they do become important later because Van Olsen cuts off all their heads. But, uh, you know, they do become relevant later on in the movie, but they're basically there to show the, the like, Dracula's powers and the vampire powers are about seduction and it's about, you know, getting people to, you know, because even Jonathan lets his guard down and just starts letting them kind of feed on him until, you know, Dracula shows up and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, and then they kind of jump off of him and stuff and they cling to the ceiling and shit. <laughs> but it's amazing how you have one of the best actresses, like, of all time, Monica Bellucci, in this movie. And, like, literally the only thing she does is she's basically just topless in this movie. I don't think she has any dialogue at all. Yeah, and then she shows back up in the Matrix with Keanu Reeves yeah. and him again. Yeah, it's kind of uh, interesting how Monica Bellucci pops up again. But she's one of the best actresses that we have of this generation. And in this movie, she's basically just like vampiric eye candy because all you do is you just see her tits. That's it. She does have some nice tits, though. Yeah, she does. Uh, <laughs> uh, just you know, I mean, she she did the work, so might as well appreciate it, right? Yeah. <laughs> But on a serious note, just in yeah. the show, um, Roman Reigns, Joseph uh, Noai, 
Yeah, annoy. Um, he was re-diagnosed with leukemia, uh, and he had to basically kind of semi-retire from wrestling to fight leukemia, and he had to uh, give up his title and, you know, say goodbye to some of his friends for a while. Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, there's many more. Seth Rollins was balling. Uh, yeah. But uh, we want to wish him the best. And if anybody, you know, knows how to help or wants to help or just reach out and let them know that, you know, you're still a fan because he's fighting to come back. And, you know, even if you're not a wrestling fan, if you guys want to reach out to him and just let you let him know that you support him and you want him to get better. I encourage you guys to do that. And, uh, uh, we're going to do the same because, uh, we've supported him from the start, even when a lot of people booed him. Yeah. We, we've always liked Roman because he's um, one of the hardest working guys in that building. I mean, they built, you know, WrestleManias off of that guy. And he put the work in and, you know, to know that he's going to have to relinquish a title, you know, and, and, and despite what you feel about wrestling and people are like, oh, wrestling's fake and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, I mean, the outcomes are predetermined, but these guys actually put their bodies out on the line yeah. every single time they go out there. The difference between having a career and having a career ending injury is like one bad move, you know, or I guarantee something. you that that night wasn't fake for him where he had to give up. No, his dreams in that mat to walk away and then still had the courage to tell you guys that he's going to beat it and then come back. Yeah. Cause we, you know, we hope for that, but we don't know that for sure. You guys could have just seen Roman Reigns for the last time in the ring and you're booing him. So please support him. I had to end the show with that, um, with, with that word, you know, with, with Roman Reigns, because, I just think he's he's too good of a person, and he's got this family, this great family around him, and yeah, um, his daughter, his you know, his daughter and his wife. He's always tried to do the right things there. So you guys, you know, go support him. You guys want to email us and talk to us about that? Uh, Beyondthehateyahoo dot com. Uh, we're still going to do our outro with the cards. Yeah. So let's let's have a little bit of a toast for Roman real quick. Let's have a toast for Roman. Like, Leukemia can suck a dick, and you can believe that. You can believe that. Okay. Yeah. Woo! Woo! Man, we're out of bourbon barrel <laughs> ale. <laughs> Shit. Oh, uh, we still have the. Uh, oh, we do have we do have Michelob Ultra. <laughs> Lime cactus is baby. Lime cactus, baby. Uh, some of my favorites. So, okay. So, what we're going to do here is we're going to name Wynoa Ryder movies until one of us can't name one. Oh, man. Okay. This is going to be difficult. because Only I've... this movie's excluded. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't remember her, like a lot of her movies, though. This is going to be difficult for and me. And whoever loses has to read these cards. In a Dracula voice. <laughs> so that that should be fun. Oh, man. Okay. So I don't know her movies as well. So, okay. Okay. So, well, I'll, I'll start. I'll say uh, Edward Scissorhands. Um, uh, Heathers. Um, we'll say uh, 
shit. Well, I guess I'll read it. I fucking <laughs> blanked out. I have like eight movies. In Dude, we already did, we did Beetlejuice. Like you could have. Well, I I, I I wasn't thinking I could use Beetlejuice. Oh, okay. Okay. This is gonna be uh, Steve's uh, very bad Romanian accent. <laughs> Very bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Very bad. <laughs> this is gonna be awful. Okay, go ahead. Gary Scaryman. <laughs> Francis Ford No Hopala. <laughs> Braun Fuck That Guy Suckman. <laughs> Brock Lesnar Penis. <laughs> Drew Ballsmore. Thank you and good night. Remember, it's all fun and games until we show up. Listen on Spotify, Anchor, Google's, iTunes, and more. Many, many more. You can yep. basically listen to us anywhere except SoundCloud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole story for a whole other time. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, this has been Beyond the Hate. Peace. See?